This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. Uh, um, Realised as we jumped on the call that we haven't actually got a plan <laughs> for what we're going to talk about. Right, no, we don't have a plan, and I'm not sure what there is sort of topical to talk about, actually. Well, there's a new MacBooks. There are the new MacBooks. We should probably talk about them. Every, I think ever since May, um, what do we have? We had the updates to the 15-inch in May. Yep. Uh, then there was another round this week just gone. So that's two rounds of updates we've had, neither of which have been what I want so far. <laughs> so I'm a bit <laughs> like, mm. um, I mean, I think the 16-inch is still maybe rumoured for September. So what are we now, 14th of July. So in a couple yeah. of months, we should know either way with a bit of luck. Um, just keep holding on keep holding on but nevertheless i thought this week's uh announcements were actually ra- you know rather interesting actually um, yeah so i guess what quick high level overview the 12 inch macbook is gone the macbook air got a price cut and a little bit of an update and i think the interesting thing out of everything was the entry level 13 inch macbook pro um I guess that was what was the uh, the MacBook Escape. Yeah. Uh, so the yeah the 13 inch MacBook Pro without the touch bar that's uh, gone now. Um, so basically, it means whatever MacBook Pro you buy, it it will come with a touch bar. Yes. Whether that's seen as a good thing or not among certain people, I I don't know. Um, I still haven't owned a touch bar Mac. However, every time I sort of look at them and think about how it would be to have one. I actually quite look forward to owning one, but I I, I don't mm. know whether it's one of those things, you know, a bit like a gimmick where it looks cool and then it turns out to not be used that much. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got one. How, how how do you find it? So the one that I use um, at, at, at Paperkite, um, I, I kind of it just gets on. You just kind of get on with it. This is how I sort of feel about the Touch Bar, like. It hasn't necessarily sort of swayed me one way or the other. Um, I don't have a touch bar on my Mac Mini at home. I've just got the regular, um, you know, Bluetooth Magic Keyboard uh, without a touch bar, and I don't miss it. You know, I don't. I don't find myself sort of thinking, okay, I'm going to set up some sort of app or something that I can sort of use as a touch bar on my phone or iPad next to it. Um, it's, it's not, you know, suck me into a touch bar workflow or anything like that. Um, but then equally, I don't sit on the machine at work and sort of sit there feeling like, oh, I wish this didn't have a touch bar. If you sort of see what I mean, it, it, it kind of just, um, for me, it's it's blended into the background in a lot of ways. It's just how that machine works. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like the idea, and I don't even know if this is possible, whether I'm just like dreaming features here, but I like the thought of having music playing and then there being part of the touch bar, A, that shows you, what you've got playing and maybe how far through the track you are and then there's like a little you know next track button next to it so you could skip forward to the next song that kind of thing i, I could see that being useful um yeah being able to interact with your music while staying in context on your main screen so let's say you're in xcode or whatever doing stuff being able to just quickly oh yeah i don't like that next 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 next, next. and then you know the, the touch bar gives you quite a nice rich uh display of the music and, and you know what's playing i c- can it do that uh you definitely get like the next track buttons and you've got control over volume and stuff like that 
Um, I think if you, because I use Spotify, I ah. don't think I get a now playing kind of thing in the same way. Certainly not when I'm out of the the app and in other things. Um, I guess if I used Apple Music, maybe it might be a bit more integrated. Yeah, I guess it might be. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I say I've no idea whether I'm just sort of dreaming up what I think it should be like without actually knowing what it is like. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I would certainly say having a touch bar wouldn't disqualify a machine for me you know like it's, it's not something that I'm like oh god no never um, even down to like okay it doesn't have a, a dedicated escape key well again you get used to it. it you get no tactile feedback from the touch bar but the escape key when it's on is top left it's in the same spot you know and if you hit that area you're going to hit escape and you just kind of adjust and get used to it I guess the it's, thing that- it's a bit that bugs me about it is the fact that it's kind of inset a little bit and I don't know why they've done that I'd love to know why so on the left hand yeah. side isn't there just like a small amount of dead space very very small uh, yeah like, again I, I don't know maybe I just adjust quite quickly but it, it just doesn't doesn't factor as a problem for me okay fair enough yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was thinking the other day like when when do I press the escape key I, I I honestly couldn't tell you. Like, when was the last time I pressed it and thought, like, oh yeah, I, I must press the escape key, like on on my MacBook Pro that I have now. Um, yeah. I mean, when it came out, you know, all, all the usual suspects, you know, podcasts, blogs, whatever, were saying, oh yeah, but what about developers and stuff that need to use the escape key all the time? And I'm like, I never use the escape key. Am I am I doing it wrong? <laughs> like, am I, am I not a real developer? Like, what's what's going on? Um, and I use the terminal a little bit, but rarely do I use the escape key even in that. Yeah, so uh, it's control commands that I'm using a lot more. Yeah, so you know, I, I like, guess I, 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 all that kind of discussion just seemed to like alienate me a little bit. Just kind of like, what what is it I'm not doing that maybe I should be doing? Because you know, all these real developers on podcasts and on you know blogs... And they're going on about this escape key, like, oh, you've got to have the escape key because I'm a developer. And it's like, oh, I never use it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> one, one of those things, maybe. But yes, yeah, so I, I guess it doesn't bother me at all. Like, I don't think about the, you know, this upcoming MacBook that I'm looking at getting. I, I, I look forward to having a touch bar. If, if anything, I, I think it could be, could be really cool. I'm you know, excited to see what it can do. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's good. Um, I think in fairness as well, I don't even mind the the feel of the of the keyboards. What I mind with the the, the current batch of of keyboards is the failure rate. You know, like it's it's, it's like I don't. I, a lot of people complain about the feel of the it's the butterfly keyboard mechanism, isn't it? Yeah. And it, you know, I don't mind that at all. It feels fine to me. The only complaints I have with it is that it's got a known failure rate. There is a. Um, what you call it there's a repair repair program on the brand new macbook pros that that feels problematic <laughs> so so that would be my 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 issue but it's not down to the feel of it it's not down to the uh the having a touch bar and everything else that that is fine um yeah it's just that sort of like okay if i invested in that machine is it going to be a lemon within the the, the first you know year two years or what and the, the chances are with that keyboard, yeah, probably so. Actually, the failure rate's quite high. But then I was thinking about this the other day. 
because I kind of think, thought to myself, if this 16-inch gets announced in September and it comes up on the slide and it's starting from 32.99, that's just like, well, that's it for me. I'm not buying that 16-inch. Like, that's out of the question. Mm-hmm. I then need to go back go back and, like, reassess the 15-inch and decide, do I go for 6-core, do I go for 8-core? Because that's the machine I'm going to end up with. Um, so, yeah, I then started thinking, oh, what about those keyboards? You know, I know there's a repair program so on and so on and then there's obviously you, know, you could buy care plans through whichever retailer you buy from normally be it apple or elsewhere yeah um, and to be honest i was kind of thinking i probably would i'm I'm not usually the type of person that buys extended warranties or anything I, I, but i think with this crop of macbook pros um maybe i i would need one um yeah i, I guess from like the point of view of if it went wrong out of warranty, would I be in a position to be able to afford to fix it? Well, maybe, maybe not, but it would put a strain mm-hmm. on us as a household to suddenly, you know, cough up eleven hundred dollars or whatever if, if the logic. You'd have went to or, have that coverage. Yeah, so I, I feel like I I need to get a, a a repair plan on it of some sort. Yeah. For the whole machine, not just the keyboard cover that Apple offer. I'm kind of digressing here, but my point was, um if I was just you know decide no i can't afford the 16 inch i have to look at the 15s that's then a problem because of the keyboards well is it really that much of a problem because unless it's changed recently or i was misinformed um it's a whole top case replacement when it comes to getting a new keyboard Mm -hmm. so that means that kind of the palm rest bit that you kind of touch you know that 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 top case the aluminium unibody thing um yep i think i'm right in saying you get a new one of those the keyboard is pre-assembled in that and also uh, I think the battery is as well. Right. Which is why I think it's like a 700 or it used to be a $700 repair when yep. Apple didn't have their repair program. Yeah. So actually, is that almost like a silver lining there? Because, you know, I'm, I'm on this 2010 MacBook Pro now. I've already had one battery, the original battery, um, swell. I mean, it was already yep. like performing really badly anyway in terms of holding its charge, but it, it swelled up and it pushed the touchpad out of the chassis. It swelled that badly. So I had to replace it. I replaced it with a, I think it was a £70 third-party one off of Amazon, which yeah. doesn't sound too great to start with, does it, when you say it like that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I had to do similar, actually, with a machine of a similar age. Did you? Yeah. Right, yeah, okay. the swelling and the uh, the first thing I noticed was actually yeah the the um, touchpad stopped working. Yeah, as it started to sort of press that up. So now, what are we about? Mm, almost two years on from replacing that battery, and it's really not holding its charge very well. Probably because it wasn't no. that much of a good battery to start with. I suspect probably should have maybe spent a bit more and got an official one. I don't know if I could have given the age of it, but um, but in any case, you know, kind of at the point where that keyboard is likely to fail, maybe two or three years in, maybe not a bad idea to get a new battery at the same time. It kind of gives the machine a whole new lease of life in a way because I really do enjoy using a laptop while it's not on charge. I like the, the freedom, like the portability, the ability to shuffle around, move around. Yeah, that's part really, of the point for you. Yeah, I don't really like being tethered to it. So if the keyboard were to fail... Yes, it'd be annoying having to get rid of the laptop for a week to have it repaired. But when it comes back, it's like, oh, cool, new battery. It's like day one all over again. Um, yeah. If if you get the repair program, it's doubly insured at that point. You know, it's, it's kind of covered for anything to the side of that or that's that's not that issue. And then there is the the coverage of it being under a repair program as well. 
I, I guess kind of like having the the extra um, coverage. However, means that if they withdraw that, then you're okay, I guess. Yeah, because the Apple's repair program for the keyboards lasts for for four years after you initially buy it. Right. Um, kind of planning on keeping it more than four years, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, but that's still as long as any any usual coverage, right? Well, not always. Uh, I mean, like Apple Care runs for three years, but a lot of other retailers kind of do it indefinitely if you pay monthly. Right. Um, and the point of that, and again, one of the benefits of this kind of unique situation that this uh, laptop is, the MacBook is in with its keyboard, um, because of the way the keyboard is repaired, it comes with a battery by default. Like, you know, Apple just do it. Well, that is the way it it happens. Apple give you this part, which is a pre-assembled top case keyboard and battery and maybe a couple of other gubbins as well. Um, yep. Typically, batteries aren't covered by repair programs. Right. So almost, you're almost wanting the keyboard to go wrong <laughs> at a certain point <laughs> so that you can get the new battery at the same time because Apple just, that's the way it is. This is the part. When the keyboard goes, you get this entire part that happens to have a battery which otherwise wouldn't normally be covered by a repair program. So... It's, you know, again, I hear all this kind of, you know, the Twitter, blogs, podcasts, all going at this keyboard for its reliability, and justifiably so, because you kind of need to hold Apple to account, I think. But there is there is like a, a silver lining that I don't often hear talked about, and I think this is quite an important point. Um, keyboard goes, yes, yeah. it's annoying, but there's a really big benefit, and you get a new battery as well. And if it, if the stars align with the timing, like two or three years in, when that battery's starting to get tired... Uh, pretty good hmm i did not know that about it at all i mean i hope i'm right now having said all this <laughs> like a, a 10 minute rant and i'm like oh no that wasn't right <laughs> i'm fairly certain it comes with a battery i'm sure it did um let's hope it does eh <laughs> otherwise this is getting cut from the show <laughs> coming back to the machines they've released just looking at the lineup as it stands now yeah i think it's a pretty solid update actually I think there's some oddness here or there, like the entry-level 13-inch MacBook, 13 MacBook Pro uh, has quite a low processor. Mm. Um, it's, it's quad-core, but the actual clock speed is low. Well, it is and it isn't, because it will turbo to yeah. 3.9. Early Geekbench scores show it almost outpacing my old 5K iMac that I've just sold. Right. So I don't feel too terrible about that machine, actually. Yeah, so plug, plugged in, going at absolute max, it's, it's probably still quite decent. Yeah, um, a lot of the sort of you know, tech YouTubers I refer to, as like all the YouTubers that you know, do the reviews and stuff, a lot of really positive stuff coming out about that 13-inch. And, and kind of the, the message I'm hearing is don't, don't be put off by that 1.4 gigahertz thing. Um, mm. Actually, there's not a lot of advantage going for the higher-powered higher chip. Um, I'd be interested to see what kind of battery life it can get as well, because if it only needs to stay at 1.4, if you're just surfing around in Safari, and that chip is kind of just like sipping on the power, and I believe it's got a bigger battery in it, yep. that could. I'm looking forward to like the full reviews, just to, to see what kind of battery life we can expect. Um, there was even a little part of me, I've got to be honest, a little tiny part that thought, should I consider this like as, as a genuine mm-hmm. option? Yeah. Yeah, because that 13-inch coupled with a, a bigger monitor, for example. Yeah. Uh, 
that that could be could be quite a good machine in in general i think you know your use case i know you said before you you like to use it mobile and then having the bigger screen is is kind of a must because it's a screen you're already always on uh but yeah looking at it that's that's pretty good yeah was it 12.99 in pounds um good old apple once again they just uh, swapped the old dollar sign for the pound sign thanks guys um <laughs> double it and you've got the nz dollar is price that? mark yeah oh. pretty much it's uh new zealand 2649 for the one with uh 256 gig storage okay so that's 14.99 here for that one right okay so not quite doubling it then yeah i'm not far off though really the 12.99 model sounds good but that 128 gig ssd i think that's a bit that's a bit mean it's a no-go yeah i I could consider living on a 256 um, Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily want to but i I could live on a 256 it's worth pointing out that the machines start with 8 gig and then they're configurable only up to 16 so you're limited to 16 gig memory in in these 13 inches I kind of feel like I'm limited in the 15 inches just based on the price. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it costs now to put... Let's just try it. Hang on. 15 inch. Just go for the 2399 model. And another £360 to go from 16 to 32 gig. Um, Interestingly, they've bumped the price here in the UK on the 15 inches as well. What was 2349 is now 2399 and the eight core i nine was twenty six ninety nine. That's now twenty seven ninety nine. So that'll teach mm. me to wait around, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got to say, actually, that that thirteen inch with the two five six configured with sixteen gig of RAM and probably bumping the SSD to five twelve. That's that's a pretty decent setup. I mean, you know, okay, it's it's not going to be as fast as as anything else that's got higher. Um, processor capability or whatever there's there's that but you know as a general all-round machine i think that's pretty good yeah i just feel like i've tried to live on a 13 inch before and this was all way back when when i had my white plastic macbook yeah um and it was on that device that i started getting into things like xcode and i just felt like i couldn't breathe on it i just felt so hemmed in with the screen real estate that i had and yeah. going to the six, uh, the fifteen inch, it, it was just great. I, I felt like, yeah, this is this is perfect. I can, this is everything I wanted from a laptop screen now. Um, so on that basis, no matter how appealing the price might be and how appealing, you know, the device in general looks, I don't think I can seriously put it into play really as a contender. I'd like to. Um, I don't know whether it's worth yeah. revisiting whether I could maybe make do on a smaller screen. Maybe look at ways I could be more productive on a smaller screen, perhaps. But yeah, yeah. Know. I mean, like you know, you, you've got a uh, an iPad as well, right? You've got well, an iPad in the house of, or? of sorts. Yeah, <laughs> basically <laughs> just plays Postman Pat for Charlie now. <laughs> That's all it does. Is it capable of running iOS thirteen? Mm, I think is the no. crucial question. No, it's not. Okay, okay. Um, then maybe not. Um, I was thinking of Sidecar and that side of stuff. Right. Yeah, I guess my my current like default position now for on a laptop is kind of sat on the we got one of these corner sofas and one of the end bits has got like a is it a chaise long they call it? 
kind of like a little miniature bed almost okay that sticks out and that's kind of like where i normally sit so i kind of sit there um and sort of slouch a bit and have the laptop on me like that so i don't really know where i would put an ipad that could stay up reliably because obviously the sofa's all squidgy and moves when i move so yeah i don't know if that sidecar would be much use for me really i like i like the idea of being able to if if I could almost like summon my Mac from it in the same way that you can with Lunar Display. But I don't think yeah. you can with Sidecar. I think it's more that it has to be initiated from the Mac and then you sort of yeah. hand off to the iPad versus just give me a really nice remote desktop view of the Mac and use the Apple Pencil to precisely navigate around it. Don't yeah, I think, think it is assumed it. you're kind of using it next to the Mac. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sort of in, in conjunction rather than, uh, yeah, as, as a... Um, a fully remote desktop or whatever mm. yeah uh, but that would still be appealing I, I guess what I was kind of, sort of suggesting is if you're on a 13 inch and you had an iPad as well then that could potentially give you that extra real estate for a, a few things if you're literally if you've got it there you know next to you um, <clears throat> I could sort of see myself doing that as a setup with like um, you know my main screen on the on the Mac and then additional information or whatever dragged over onto the onto the iPad. Um, I c- could see myself kind of running like that. And actually, if I think back, when I was first learning um, iOS development, I had a MacBook Air. That was the the 13 inch 2010 model, um, and w- I had a an iPad uh, three. So that was the first the That's first the Retina, Retina iPad. Yeah. yeah. And how I ran with that is I, I had um, I had the uh, Big Nerd Ranch iOS development book in iBooks on the iPad, and then I had the the MacBook Air with Xcode in front of me, and, and that was how I learned iOS development. And mm. then after I was sort of up and running, um, yeah, having stuff that was reference on the iPad and then Xcode on the MacBook Air it was kind of my default for quite a while. Um, and then that be- that became a 13-inch MacBook Pro after that as well. So that's kind of been some of my background before. I'm going to have to go and have a look, I think, just in the store and just spend yeah. some time with a 13-inch. Um, I don't know if that would have Xcode on a display model. Maybe I could find it buried somewhere on the applications folder. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just think it's going to have to be a, at least a 15, is my, which makes me sad in a way because I would like to at least consider the 13-inch because I think it did. Yeah. Especially this new base model one. It looks really quite good. Um, yeah. I mean, let's not forget the MacBook Air. That had a bit of love as well this week. Um, I guess there's not a huge amount to say other than it got a true tone display and they took $100 off the price, but both of those things are pretty yeah. welcome. No, the, the MacBook Air is looking cool. And I think getting rid of the, the 12-inch as well is, is actually quite good for the lineup. It was kind of a bit of an oddity um, in where it was sort of sat. And I think as, as, as soon as these MacBook Airs came out last year, the sort of first round uh, with the Retina screens, um, kind of like the MacBook Air, the, the, sorry, <laughs> the 12-inch MacBook rather, just didn't make sense. Um, it, it was a you know, priced against the MacBook Air, I was kind of wondering who would buy it. And, you know, I mean, okay, you could say the 12-inch was about being as light as possible, and that's that's true. But I think the 13-inch MacBook Air is pretty light. 
Yeah. You know, it's kind of, I don't think there was enough in it really to sort of justify any, any major price difference between the two. Um, yeah, so I, I think it kind of makes sense as a lineup, and I, I quite like seeing that. I feel like Apple's uh, lineup with everything with the Mac over the last sort of two or three years has kind of gone a bit wonky. Uh, it's sort of been stuff all over the place, and and kind of a few things haven't really necessarily made sense to me like like that. So I'm kind of pleased to sort of see that sort of rationalisation and kind of yeah, okay, we've lost that one because this is the entry level. And then if this isn't powerful enough for you, the next one is the 13-inch MacBook Pro. And that makes sense. One leads to the other quite nicely. Um, yeah. And I like that. It's kind of like the, the part of me that likes order and a rhyme and a routine to things is sort of looking at the lineup and thinking, ah, okay, there's a bit more bit more order going on. And, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm keen for that. And, and I think the, the new MacBook Airs actually, they, they look like quite nice little machines. Oh, they're great. Yeah, they're lovely. I feel, in a, in a way, prior to this week, the MacBook Air was almost being squashed from either side because on one, on one hand you had the 12-inch and then on the other hand you had the MacBook Escape, you know, the 13-inch without touch bar. I always you know, imagine like someone in, in an Apple store and someone says, so which one do I get? Do I get the, the MacBook Pro without touch bar? Do I get the 12-inch or the MacBook Air? Now that that, yeah. isn't, that isn't even a conversation now that needs to happen, um, and rightfully so. <laughs> in my view um i think if someone comes up to me and goes i want to get a mac what one should i get and they don't really have any specific kind of requirements for like you know i need to do video editing or photography or so the default answer is now get the macbook air it's great end of yeah. discussion <laughs> the, only, the only real discussion is how much storage do you think you'll need and most people go well i don't know which probably means not very much um mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it, I think it's great now. It makes so much sense. It's like if you don't know what you want, go for the air, and you can't you can't really go too far wrong. Yeah. Um, whereas if you've got needs beyond what the air can offer, and you walk into the store and you've got specific requirements, and you can have that conversation with the sales colleague, then sure, then you can start looking at the MacBook Pro range and sort of walk through that lineup. And as you say, it all makes sense. There's no awkward questions of well, what what's this MacBook Pro that doesn't have the Touch Bar because then you might hear people saying, well, I'm not too bothered about the touch bar, so I'll just go for the one that hasn't got it because it's cheaper and anything, well, now I'm in the same price bracket as the Air, so what's the difference between the Air and this? And then you start looking at the Air and it's like, well, what's this smaller thing that isn't called the MacBook Air, but is more like a MacBook Air than the MacBook Air because it's so thin and light? And then before <laughs> you know it, you've got a very confused customer. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased to see this. I think, yeah, like you say, there, there was a, it feels like everything's been a bit wonky for a long time and they've been course correcting. And I guess yep. Apple's just a, a big ship and it takes a long time to turn, I guess. So we're just starting to see that now, I suppose, the the, the correction, if you like. Um, I think so. I remember that was my takeaway from the MacBook Air event uh, last October. Um, yeah, love the machine, but why is the lineup still so confusing? It's almost like they missed, a, missed an opportunity. And I guess... Yeah. There was maybe two reasons for that. Uh, first of all, they were waiting for this chip from Intel so they could do what they need to do with the new 13-inch that they've made. Second of all, maybe they were kind of testing the water with the air to see if the 12-inch sales plummet as a result of the air and then they'll know exactly what to do. <laughs> so maybe yeah, they just needed to bide their time a little bit beyond the October event. And clear stock as well, right? You know, there's, there'll be a backlog of stock on the uh, on the 12-inches that I guess they were... 
okay, let's stop making these now, wind it down a bit. Yeah, I mean, so, even before they announced the uh, you know the end of the twelve inch MacBook this week or last week, sorry, there were some retailers that were discounting them up to four hundred and fifty pounds prior to the announcement, which to me says we've got a load of these and they're not selling. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess it comes as no surprise now <laughs> that they've decided to to count it. But yeah, the, the chip in the thirteen inch Pro, um, the one point four gigahertz, took quite a long time, I think, to actually figure out what on earth that chip was <laughs> that was inside it. In, in in the 13-inch Pro? Yeah. I think it's because the chip didn't actually exist until the MacBook existed. <laughs> and it, I think Intel have got a thing called like Intel Arc or something where you can basically look up any chip that they've made. Mm. And for the first like three days, that the chip that was in the MacBook just wasn't on there. Um, That's interesting. I remember that kind of happening ages back, like in the sort of original kind of um, Intel Mac shift you know as, as as we were coming over from power pc to intel mm-hmm. i remember there being a, a couple of instances where it was kind of like oh, this chip has been specially made for apple and i guess it wasn't specially made it's just that apple had it first that was the original macbook air it might have been um or it might even have been around about the time that i got my 2010 uh that, that was quite a unique little machine in its in its era right um that that had a uh, a dedicated NVIDIA GPU inside of it. Uh, not very high powered, but you know it was it was special versus it being integrated with the CPU at the time. Oh yeah, the ninety four hundred M, I think it was. Yeah, if memory serves. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, I hope we see more of this kind of thing from like Apple and Intel because again, like those rumours for the sixteen inch a couple of weeks ago, the the article ended by saying, and also I have a new processor. And I'm thinking, well, what new processor? We've just seen the new 8-core processors that mm-hmm. are going to be available when this machine launches. But there's nothing to say maybe there'll be a, a certain chip from Intel that comes in line with that machine that just nobody knew about. Um, I don't know whether that's Intel trying to almost like get in Apple's good books again, but I, I, it's kind of like that ship sailed in a way. <laughs> so it makes you wonder why would Intel bother at this point? It's it's kind of like you can just have the chips that everyone else has. Um, yeah, at the same time, I'm not sure it's completely them. a ship that sailed though. Really, I, I sort of feel like nah. I don't know. Like it feels like whatever the ARM transition for the Mac is going to be is is kind of this probably this quite protracted thing. I think looking at the lineup of everything overall and sort of thinking about how long you're going to have, you know, the Mac Pro and the iMac Pro and those sort of machines kind of still getting updates in terms of software. Um, It it kind of feels like rather than it being everything's now on ARM, it's going to be bit by bit. And that I I, I guess my, my, my gut feel for this is that when we get it, it's it's probably going to be something that a lot of people don't necessarily even notice uh you know just in terms of of, of um software and the ends of stuff if, if you're talking about apps installed from the app store and that sort of thing i can imagine it's going to be a sense of it just works you know and the consumer doesn't need to care and, and there'll be a message and there'll be the pr about it being better for battery life and x y and z and all of that and people like you and me will you know, pick its pieces and find interesting things about it and all of that but i think there'll still be intel max in the lineup for quite a while as it sort of like crossfades from one to the other and i kind of feel like it might even be that certain types of machine like maybe the pro machines 
just don't go there on arm for quite a while. So I kind of feel like there's probably room for Intel to sort of try and curry a bit of favour in the meantime. So maybe this is part of that. Could be. You know, a bit yeah. a bit sort of reconciliatory, because it's probably, if I'm right in that sort of a take on it, then that relationship could still be ongoing for another five, eight years. You know, assuming that ARM kind of eventually ramps up to a stage where it's all inside of Apple and they can just sort of go, yeah, we don't need you anymore, Intel. I can't imagine it's going to be immediately overnight. So on that basis, I guess they could try and retrieve things a little bit and, and kind of do a few favours for Apple to sort of guarantee that Apple don't do anything else or anything drastic. Because, yeah, I think this is kind of like the with the 13-inch, I that chip becoming available the day the 13-inch MacBook Pro became available. That's the second time in the last sort of six weeks that that's happened because the, yeah. is it the 28-core Xeon that goes in the Mac Pro, um, that chip wasn't announced until the Mac Pro was announced. Yeah. Um, sort of the Mac Pro was the announcement for that chip in a way. And now the 13-inch, similarly, um, with, with the i5 U-series chip, the one in it. So part of me wonders if we might see a little bit more of this going forward hmm. um, so when the 16 inch comes out if there is going to be a new cpu in it it's a cpu that launches with that mac um, that's not to say that other manufacturers can't have the chips um either at the same time or very shortly afterwards i, I doubt apple would have any exclusivity on the chips i wouldn't have thought um it might be that they kind of get the the pr advantage in that they kind of announces alongside their new shiny piece of hardware yeah um, they get the day one yeah yeah so yeah, yeah just curious to see if that kind of pattern continues really because we've seen it twice now in only what is six weeks since wwdc yeah um yeah so just keep an eye on that i think it'd be quite interesting as we move forward Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads, that's RoboHeads spelt with a Z, and you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com, again that's RoboHeads spelt with a Z. How about you Dave? You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore DaveNot.